Welcome back to the podcast, uh, everybody. It's Dr. Mark List coming at you with another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. Before we get into it today, we have a joke from the PrimaryCarePod at gmail.com inbox from an anonymous listener. That's where you can send me any feedback, articles, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, you know the scoop by now. Um, this joke says, uh, Dr. List, here's a joke for you. Warning, joke is slightly inappropriate for, especially for uh, little ears. So earmuffs, everyone. A patient comes into his doctor and says, Doc, my butt hurts. Doctor says, well, uh, where specifically does it hurt? Patient says, well, you know, right around the entrance. Doctor says, well, that's your problem. It won't get any better as long as you keep calling it the entrance. All right, that's terrible. Let's start the podcast. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It is your pod doc, Dr. Mark List, coming at you with another episode today. Um, if you can hear that behind me, I'm still at the uh, hotel uh, traveling for work. If you listened to the last episode, you'll understand. Um, and so if you hear that air conditioner in the background, I, I tried to turn it off. I'm not smart enough to figure out how to stop it. So uh, today's episode is a little bit different than the average episode. And that is, this is um, kind of a, a primer. And that is, I've been reading research articles for the past three years, uh, scattered throughout my reading in different journals, um, came up on uh, a famous podcast, if you've never heard of it before, um, The Curbsiders, they're one of the best internal medicine podcasts uh, out there. And, and it came up in one of their conversations, and I thought it was time that I uh, talk about it in in this uh, podcast, and that is the topic of lipoprotein A, and specifically why you in primary care are gonna hear a lot more about lipoprotein A in clinical practice. And it's not even necessarily because the studies are so groundbreaking or landmark, it's that uh, unsurprisingly, uh, we're probably gonna be going to be sold uh, another pharmaceutical, um, specifically targeting lipoprotein A and lipoprotein A reduction. We're going to talk about that at the end. Um, and, and specifically, I want to talk about two articles that I think are really good. Uh, one is from the American College of Cardiology, uh, straight from their website. Uh, it's called The Lipoprotein A in Clinical Practice. This was written uh, way back in 2019. This was kind of my first primer and the first article that I was introduced to lipoprotein A uh, in a more serious clinical approach. Um, and then there was a, a more relatively recent article uh, that I came to, uh, caught my eye, called, it's in the Journal of Clinical Medicine, and it's a review article called Lipoprotein A, Insights for the Practicing Clinician. Um, and this was actually just here recently in uh, May of, or sorry, of June of 2022. And uh, why is lipoprotein A a, a thing, right? So lipoprotein A is a molecule. Uh, we've known about it since the 1960s, but there have been over the past decade, especially more in the past several years, um, m multiple population-based observational studies that have shown a correlation between elevated lipoprotein A levels and the incidence of multiple types of cardiovascular disease. And so there's this, you know, 
correlative link between lipoprotein A levels and specifically, you know, uh, myocardial infarction, calcific aortic stenosis, heart failure, uh, major cardiac events. And so now this is going to be something that you are going to have to know about in primary care specifically because there's going to be emerging therapies and molecules that are specifically targeted to reduce serum lipoprotein A concentrations. And there has been no data to this point as I'm recording this podcast that has shown any kind of reduction in lipoprotein A associated with reduced MACE, right, major adverse cardiac event. And, and, and specifically, also no reduction not only in major adverse cardiac events, but also in all-cause mortality or cardiovascular mortality. And why is that, especially when we see lots of other studies um, with reduction of uh, other particles, uh, fat particles? Well, specifically, LDL. Uh, yeah, sorry, specifically lipoprotein A is an LDL, right? It's a type of an LDL particle. And unlike a lot of the other LDL particles that are reduced with diet, exercise, weight loss, lifestyle, um, and, and medications like PCSK9s, right? And with statins, uh, which greatly can reduce LDL particles, right? Uh, with the number that we have free floating around our bloodstream. Lipoprotein A levels are really... Uh, genetically determined, right? So an individual lipoprotein A level is something to the effect of 80 to 90% genetically determined uh, in an autosomal co-dominant inheritance pattern with full expression of a human's lipoprotein A level at one to two years of age and adult-like serum levels by approximately five years of age. So this is something that you really just need to check once in a patient's lifetime. And, you know, nobody's suggesting we check this um, routinely at this point, but that's what these two articles are really focused on. The fact that lipoprotein A by itself appears to be a risk factor for early ASCVD and early major adverse cardiac events based on all kinds of observational and population studies that we've seen so far. Now, why? What, what does lipoprotein A do in the body? Well, it's very similar. The molecule itself is actually very similar to plasminogen. And we actually, and, and they've shown it in studies to inhibit fibrinolysis. So, so therefore, basically, it's going to promote thrombosis, especially at arterial plaques where turbulent flow can cause stenosis or obstruction, uh, promoting embolic-like formation, right? Um, it, it can promote uh, calcification of the aortic valves uh, and, and other calcification within the blood vessels. And so really, uh, you know, we're, they're talking that reducing a patient's lipoprotein A level could theoretically reduce their risk of developing ASCVD, right, um, before it starts. Now, uh, the idea behind this is all preventative, right, um, because what, we're, we're talking lipoprotein A um, as a floating LDL molecule, but again, these lipoprotein A levels have existed since these people have, since all of us, all of us have been children. And so it's not like, you know, we're going to, you know, reduce our LDL when it gets over 130 and we're going to, you know, inhibit plaque formation. This is talking about high-risk people with elevated lipoprotein A levels taking a chronic long-term daily medicine for months and months and years and years 
to reduce the chance of developing ASCVD uh, and other um, you know, major adverse cardiac events. So you can see why drug companies are incredibly interested in a therapeutic that can lower lipoprotein A levels. This is why I want to do a podcast on it. Well, because number one is we're going to have to know a lot about this molecule. Well, probably not a lot about this molecule, but you're you're going to hear a lot about this molecule in the future years, in the few, in the upcoming years, and and not the distant years either. Studies have already shown these drug trials in phase two trials, showing that yes, they are effective at reducing lipoprotein A levels in patients, okay? And that these drugs also are safe and well tolerated in phase two clinical trials, okay? Uh, Theoretically, lipoprotein A reduction should increase the risk for bleeding, right? And there's been some trials that are a little bit controversial because uh, the use of aspirin in patients with very uh, low light levels of lipoprotein A um, can be associated with increased risk of bleeding, okay? Um, but again, knowing what your lipoprotein A level could be a, a modified, or not a modified, well, historically a non-modifiable risk factor, but at least another warning sign of what your risk is of developing a heart attack. And so then we could further risk stratify using lipoprotein A. I do have several patients that are curious about their lipoprotein A because they've read about it or they've heard studies about it or they've listened to a podcast. And so I've actually checked lipoprotein A several times in my career, but never on my own volition. It's always been at the urging or at the request of one of my patients, and I've never had a reason to turn them down. You can think about this as as uh, when we talk about moderate risk patients, right? With high risk patients, it doesn't matter. We're throwing everything at them to reduce the risk of their first heart attack and definitely to reduce any uh, second heart attacks or second major adverse cardiac events. And so this is another tool in our current toolbox of what do we do with those intermediate people, right? Because if you're low risk, you're low risk, you're low risk. No family history, low levels of, you know, you're not diabetic. You don't have blood pressure issues. You know, your LDL levels are good. And this is a this is another type of um, uh, warning sign, another uh, risk factor. And so we talk about that with you know right now we're talking about biomarkers. In previous ACCAHA data, uh, you know they looked at like uh, homocysteine levels, they looked at uh, high sensitivity CRP levels uh, as biomarkers. Coronary artery calcium is technically a biomarker, not a laboratory biomarker, but an imaging biomarker that can risk stratify somebody. And so this article from the American College of Cardiology in 2019 was really talking about using lipoprotein A as a risk stratifier, right? Uh, and that's what they should consider. Um, they have a really good table here, table one in this in this article, that talk about the increased risk between patients that have the highest lipoprotein A level and the lowest lipoprotein A level, right? So if you took a, you know, look at quartiles and you have one group with the highest and one group with the lowest, the myo- the rate of myocardial infarction goes up three to four fold. The rate of valvular aortic stenosis goes up threefold. Coronary artery stenosis goes up fivefold. Uh, ischemic stroke up about 50%. Uh, femoral artery stenosis, which is pretty rare to begin with, six, uh, up 60%. Heart failure up 50 to, 50 to 100%. Of cardiovascular mortality, 50% up, and all-cause mortality up 20%. Now, these are observational studies. Um, 
they're they're very well supported based on the types of studies that uh, you know that there is a correlation between lipoprotein A. But again, as of this, as I'm recording this, there's been no association with lowering those lipoprotein A levels and better outcomes or reduction of those events. And that's what is going on right now, and why you're going to hear a lot more about lipoprotein A is that there are phase three clinical trials looking at reduction of, L, of lipoprotein A levels using these new pharmaceutical targets to see what is happening to major adverse cardiac events. Now, here is my speculation. My speculation is that because the phase two data looked really good, that this will kind of be a fast-tracked drug. And why do I say that is because it's an incredibly um, enticing drug. There's a lot of uh, buzz around this in the cardiology world. Um, and this is uh, you know, another way to modify a previous unmodifiable risk factor for patients at high risk of developing a major adverse cardiac event. I very strongly am suspicious that the data is going to be incredibly weak in some of these initial phase three trials. And some of these initial trials are going to be barely positive and they'll keep the trial going just until one of their outcomes becomes statistically significant. The rest of the outcomes probably marginal or, or non-statistically non significant, but trending towards a change. And they'll immediately flip it and push the drug to market. And why I say that is because theoretically, a drug like this should take years of use in order to um, reduce the effect. Uh, or at least that's a theoretical thought at this point, that it would take years of being on a medication to see a, you know, a number needed to treat that's going to be positive. So I, I will, that's, that's what my prediction is for these studies. Um, and, but I can almost guarantee you that this will be uh, put to market with just the very slimmest of margins, uh, passing statistical significance. And they are likely going to uh, make their target uh, number one, make the study big enough uh, to see even small differences in value. So recruiting incredibly large number of patients. As of right now, they're planning to enroll at least 8,000 patients or 7,680 patients um, with a history of cardiovascular disease. So they're going to take the uh, most high-risk people, the people with the highest chance of having a very uh, short uh, a short interval between when they start the study and when they're going to have their next event. And they're going to do that in order to, it, with the highest risk people, um, recruit the most events. So that way you can see an early statistical uh, benefit. And so this is going to be a really highly loaded trial. And the trial isn't going to tell us what we need to know for most of our patients. And for most of our patients, they're going to come to us say, I have this family history. I have this elevated lipoprotein A level should I be taking this multi-million dollar drug? And that's not what this study is going to say. This is going to be for people that have had a heart attack, and this is going to be for secondary prevention, very similar to what we see with PCSK9s, right? And we're not going to have any initial data on primary prevention. And that's going to be the people who are, what we, we want to prevent that first heart attack. We want to prevent that atherosclerotic coronary cardiovascular disease from even forming in the first place. And I don't think we're going to get that in any of the trials um, because I think that's going to be um, a very narrow target. Now, I hope that this was an interesting conversation. Um, and, and again, I'm not trying to uh, play expert here. I'm definitely not a cardiologist, but I've seen enough of these trials now play out and I paid close enough attention to these trials that I kind of know what game they're playing. And yeah, this is going to be good for patients with a super high family history who have also had a major cardiac event, who are in the 
30 to 40% of the population that has an elevated lipoprotein A level, that would be in the very high level or elevated level. Uh, actually, numbers probably, the, the highest tier is probably 20 to 30% that carry the biggest amount of uh, risk. Um, but you know, it'll likely be targeted towards a huge percent of the population that have a mildly elevated lipoprotein A level. And then we're gonna need more data to determine what the cutoff is for appropriate use of the lipoprotein A. And again, these studies are gonna be based on secondary data, not primary data. And so it's gonna be a miserable uh, time to get these approved with insurance. But again, this is all coming. Uh, it's, it's gonna be coming soon. Um, basically, they are, as of right now, actively enrolling patients and um, filling up the study. And because they're using high-risk people and because they're using secondary outcomes uh, and secondary events, they're going to get data really fast. Um, and so I will bet a year from now, we're going to hear the study, uh, early reports from this study, and it'll probably be stopped at six months because there was a statistical benefit between the two groups. That way they can put the drug on the market. And I mean, maybe they'll continue the, the study long term, but I can almost guarantee you six months to a year from now, we're going to hear more about this. And now for something completely different than I normally do. Um, I actually have, I'm recording this two days after I recorded the first part of this podcast. And I reached out to my friend who's a cardiologist, and I just wanted to get his take on the whole lipoprotein A trend and these uh, the likely drug trials uh, regarding you know management of lipoprotein A and how we're going to see it in primary care. Had him listen to the episode, and he actually thinks that I am being much more um, positive about the data. And uh, to his point, we had looked at the, the same types of data regarding lipoprotein A. And I talked about how the people with the highest uh, quartile uh, or the highest amount of lipoprotein A had a significantly higher rates of heart attack, uh, of valvular disease, of major adverse cardiac events compared to the people with the lowest amount of lipoprotein A. And his take on it was that the difference between those groups being that one is at the highest risk and one is at the lowest risk, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't wanna speak for him, but even though they're at the extreme ends of the spectrum, he'd expect a much more clinically relevant impact. And he thinks that when we apply this drug and we lower lipoprotein A levels, that we are not going to see significant clinical outcomes uh, regarding management of lipoprotein A. And so he thinks that this is going to be in the long in the long run um, a, a big nothing burger, and he kind of relates it back to when we started doing. You know, uh, the trend was uh, after the reduce it trial. There's a big push to get patients on um, prescription strength uh, uh, fish oils, and now there's a study, and I almost thought about doing this as a podcast episode that showed that this reduce it trial that their placebo mineral oil actually increased major cardiac events. So it wasn't necessarily that the uh, that the fish oils themselves, the prescription fish oils, basically reduced uh, cardiac outcomes as much as they did. It was actually the combination likely that the patients that were on placebo were actually increasing their risk for major car adverse cardiac events. So um, he thinks that in the, in the long run, lipoprotein A is not going to be a significant uh, player in the cardiovascular prevention market. Especially when we have, and I, you know, I mentioned in the podcast about how lipoprotein A levels um, are a kind of weak risk factor um, or a significant risk factor, and he actually thinks that lipoprotein A is more comparable to homocysteine, to high sensitivity CRP, the things that I had mentioned. Um, and to his point, he says that if you look at the actual epidemiological data for those things, the 
significance of those of these biomarkers are so much less predictive of cardiovascular disease than um, in those moderate risk patients having an elevated coronary artery calcium score is much more predictive um, uh, for major adverse cardiac events. So um, to his point, um, he thought all the information was good in here, but basically he wasn't expecting lipoprotein A to be as uh, important in the future as maybe I made it out to be. And again, from my perspective, I just think that we're going to see drug reps, we're going to see advertisements, we're going to see pushes from patients on, hey, I need my lipoprotein A level checked. Do I do I need to be taking this medicine? Having drug reps come pushing this medicine. And I think the more we educate ourselves on uh, lipoprotein A and, and feel comfortable with what's coming, I think the better. So uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound of cure, isn't that the... the uh, the same. Well, anyways, uh, this has been Dr. Markless. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode on lipoprotein A. Uh, hopefully it was educational. Hopefully it was enlightening. Hopefully it made you think about the future and kind of what to expect here in the upcoming months. I appreciate my friend uh, giving me his his take from a cardiology perspective that he thinks it's not going to be as big of a deal, especially compared to like PCSK9s um, in terms of overall uh, cholesterol management. And uh, again, I, I hope he is correct because uh, as, a, as a medical nihilist, I love not having to prescribe medicines to my patients. So uh, that's it for this week. Uh, remember, this has uh, been Dr. Markless with the Primary Care Podcast. Uh, remember, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week.